Sunday. This nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. One day right down in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream. Welcome to the Ambassador Podcast a resource created by a community of Christians seeking to represent God to a watching world in humility, unity, and boldness. Our goal is to educate, be educated, encourage, be encouraged, challenge, and be challenged as we pursue a heavenward perspective of God's heart for racial equity and reconciliation rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's up, y'all? Jericho here from the Ambassador Podcast. Welcome back. And I'm here with my co-host, of course, Mrs. Tracy Wassenaar. Not Spears, y'all. It's Wassenaar. Yo, what's... The new name. What a draw. Yo, what's good, man? Oh, you know, nothing crazy. Just been married for like a month and a half now, and it's been so fun. So <laughs> that's what's new. With me, oh, so y'all, I guess. so y'all vets in the game now, huh? Married a month and a half, and y'all yeah, just much. y'all just yeah, out so here. We got all the, you got all the answers. We got it no all. questions. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Heck no. Heck no. Just youngins. So we got youngins living life, yo. Uh, yeah. So for our listeners out there, uh, I. I hate this, and we're going to talk about it anyway. Tracy's got some other news for us. That's true. Um, she's here right now, but she's got some things she wants to share, and I'm making her do this. Uh, You're making me? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm making wow. you do this. Okay. So, Trace, go ahead and share with the people, and then uh, me and my guests will just silently cry as you continue. So, go ahead. Yeah, well, about... I guess it was probably been like two months ago or a month and a half ago. Um, my husband got offered a position to help start a salt company in Atlanta, Georgia with Dahati Lewis. So it's gonna be fun even to debrief, um, his episode with you guys. But yeah, I feel, um, really humbled and excited to see what the Lord would do. And, um, yeah, excited to be in Atlanta, Georgia, and obviously extremely, extremely sad about leaving Ames, Iowa which I didn't think I'd ever say that because it's Ames, Iowa, but literally it's the people. (laughs) I feel like I can cry right now just thinking about leaving. It's so sad. Yeah. You mean it's excited about what the Lord would do. It's the people and not the cornfields, huh? Yeah, yeah. Surprisingly, surprisingly, you know, I heard, I heard the other day, somebody said that Iowa has the greatest sunsets in the country. It's beautiful. <laughs> and, whoa, in my, whoa, in my mind, statement. I was thinking like, yo, sunsets are sunsets. They're beautiful everywhere. But they were like, nah, for sure in Iowa, they got the be- the most beautiful sunsets. I don't know. My wife would probably it say that too. She would agree with that for sure. It is amazing. Yeah. So Tracy, man, that's, that's big news. Um, it's not news to us here, man, but it's news definitely to our listeners who are listening to this. And, uh, man, you have been a consistent, uh, powerful, amazing voice on this podcast for the last, what, year or so now. Uh, it was, it's been fun just trying to create this thing with you. And uh, you guys know from last season, we had to say goodbye to our other uh, podcast host, Persia. <laughs> Uh, and around these parks, man, this is just kind of what we do. We bring people in, we see them for a little while, and somehow they end up 
walking themselves out the door. And, uh, you know, these goodbyes never get any easier. Uh, but yet here it is. And this isn't even the goodbye episode. You're still going to hear more of Tracy. Uh, but we will have one of those episodes for her in the future. And so you guys can be thinking about that, mm. praying for that. Pray for Tracy as they go uh, to Atlanta, which mm. is super ironic because we didn't know this was going to happen when we were interviewing the hottie. And here we are talking oh, about the hotties podcast. And here you are going to Atlanta. I know. Oh, my goodness. Wild. Yeah, man, this is this is. all I was listening crazy. back and uh, we said something like, oh, I guess we'll have to go check out Atlanta. And then here we are going <laughs> to Atlanta. Out Atlanta. So it's like, God, just, so, ma- yeah. so make sure you go get some Thai food with the hottie, man. Fried rice and. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we'll be done. All right. So anyway, uh, welcome to our third debrief episode of the season. If you guys remember, these are our new types of episodes for season two. The idea behind these debrief episodes is that we understand a lot of these topics are that are being talked about on this podcast, particularly in the interviews, can hit different members of our audience in different ways. For some, it can be new and exciting, and for others, it can be affirming in their life experiences, and yet to others, it can be jarring and or disorienting. But regardless of where you fall on the spectrum, we understand these conversations and resources like this are overdue and needed. And because of this, we want to create a space with more dialogue where some of the ideas in these interviews uh, can be discussed and further fleshed out from different perspectives. And so, Tracy, uh, the audience has a... Uh, opportunity to actually influence these these debrief episodes. Can you tell them how they can do that? Yeah. What's super sweet about the debrief episode is that as audience, you get to actually interact with us. You get to tell us like, how do you want us to steer these conversations? What are things that you want us to discuss? And so it's a sweet opportunity for you to actually navigate where we go in our episodes. And so if you hop onto our website, you get an opportunity to ask us some questions, send us some thoughts, and we would love to interact with you. Yeah, that's right. And so without further ado, I want to introduce our next debrief episode guest. Okay, y'all listen up. If there was ever a visionary, this dude Mm. would be it. I mean, you can look up the word visionary (laughs) in the dictionary and find a picture of this very dude in the dictionary. He is the founder of Cornerstone Church. He's the founder of the Salt Company and the Salt Network. But more importantly, he is the father of my amazing wife. So he is actually my father-in-law by association. (laughs) He is the grandfather to my four beautiful children. And he's the most outdoorsy man you'll ever meet. Troy Nesbitt, AKA the swamp pastor. Thank you for joining (laughs) us on the podcast. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. It's a special treat for me to get to be with you guys. I love you both. Um, And I'm really excited to be a part of this podcast and i don't know who's more sad that tracy's leaving to atlanta me or you jared but <laughs> yeah. it's it's got to be a toss-up what a what a gift she's been to us and our ministry mm-hmm. and what a gift she'll be to blueprint and to atlanta there and we're praying for god to bless them as they go and prosper them that a new salt company would be born there yeah, yeah. Wow, you guys are trying to get me to cry right now, and it's not even <laughs> a goodbye episode. I can't do this right now. I'm going to bypass that right now and just jump into Troy because it literally is such an honor to be able to have like such a close opportunity to learn from Troy and to be around him. And so, Troy, for our audience, just a fun little icebreaker for you. 
So you're super fun. You're outdoorsy. So describe to us a perfect day for you, a day off that you have. Well, a perfect day off for me would be anything outside and anything that I could actually catch with my hands that I never caught before. So I'll give you an example. I was speaking at uh, Florida State University, a little uh, a little gig uh, with the students there in Florida. And we don't have alligators here in Iowa, Tracy. You know that. And Jared, you know that. But yeah. Alligators is not something that I'm afraid of. It's something I really want to catch. And so... Uh, me and a friend, we went down to a little park that had water in it, had alligators in it. And so I thought, I'm going to try to catch one of those. Well, uh, I was unsuccessful in trying to catch one, but I was able to actually touch one with my bare hands, a wild alligator. And if I would have caught it, uh, I'd be uh, showing the video on the Internet and I'd probably be getting in trouble <laughs> because I found out later from a game warden that that is illegal to do. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Troy is wild. Yeah, I don't think anybody's surprised. Leave it up to Troy to do a legal activity with wild game, right? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, I feel like that already allows our audience to just get a good picture of Troy, which is awesome. Yeah. So, Troy, just for our audience, so they might not know you, but like I said, Jared and I get a sweet opportunity to actually be blessed by your leadership and to – yeah, just know you. So give the audience just a brief um, little view of when you became a believer um, and then what are you doing now, like where God has led you? Yeah, I actually am a second generation believer. My dad was a pastor. Um, my grandfather was an abusive alcoholic uh, who struggled with mental illness. And uh, my dad was converted when he was 14, became a pastor when he was 16. And he is the godliest man that I know. Uh And I have had the privilege of uh, growing up in his household. And even though I had a great uh, role model to follow, I was pretty rebellious as a teenager. God got a hold of my heart at 17 and totally, uh, you know, uh, turned my life around. I was excited about what Jesus had done in me and wanted to see uh, the work of the gospel through me. And you know, that began my journey of doing ministry, started a Bible study in high school, which led to a Bible study in college, which led to Bible school, which led to coming back and working with student ministry, which led to becoming a part of Baptist Student Union, which became the Salt Company, which led to planning a church. And so, man, it's been an exciting journey. And uh, there's never been a day in my life, Tracy and Jared, that uh, uh, my dad has not prayed for me. And uh, very few people get to live as long as I do uh having their name spoken to the heart of God from a godly mm-hmm. person. And, uh, mm. you know, Proverbs says a righteous man who walks in his integrity, how blessed are his sons after him. And I believe with all my heart that, mm. uh, one of the, one of the greatest blessings that I had has been godly parents. And one of the greatest reasons that God's, uh, blessed so many things that I've been a part of has been because of the prayers of righteous men like my dad who have prayed for me faithfully. So I'm Excited to be here and excited to be a part of what's next. And I want to do that for my grandkids as well. And so, you know, uh, uh, Jared, Jared is the father of four of my grandkids, all of my granddaughters. And so I try to pray for them faithfully and regularly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if, if, if they need prayers more. I need prayers more <laughs> for, for, for raising these three. Yeah. So. Dear, they are, they are wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're only going to get wilder. I already know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man. All right, Troy. So in our original episode, we actually had the hottie Lewis on and we talked through some things with him. And for you, I actually had a relationship with Dahadi for several years. And so can you tell us how that came to be for you guys? Yeah, well, uh, Tracy, a big part of my story, uh, you know, Pam and I had uh, five children that that were biological children and we felt like God was calling us to adopt children and so we decided to adopt um, sons uh, who were Ethiopian, and I, I actually entered into a journey that I knew nothing of. <laughs> and, you know, mm. I just thought it would be a great idea to, to adopt. Uh, we had traveled to Africa quite a bit and just saw um, the, the young men and women there who needed parents, and so we decided to adopt them. Mm. I, I didn't realize... I knew adoption would be difficult. I didn't realize how difficult it would be for them. I didn't yeah. realize how difficult it would be for them being, uh, you know, uh, African uh, sons in a in a white family. And mm-hmm. so it really began for me a journey as they began to grow and mature. And I'm so grateful that Trisha decided to date and marry Jared. Um, mm. And I began to to know how uh, little I knew mm. about mm. cultural issues that. I just, I was ignorant. And so when Dahadi Lewis actually came here to see what we were doing, reaching students at a secular university through the church, I just gravitated to him, first of all, because he's one of the coolest guys I've ever known. Uh, But secondly, (laughs) because he was a black man and I needed, Mm. I needed a godly Mm -hmm. black man to help me uh, begin to answer some questions I just had in my heart and soul. And so I approached him and began a conversation with him. And probably the first, oh, I would say at least four or five conversations I had with Dahadi Lewis, I just, I just cried because I didn't know, I didn't know what else to do. And I just knew I needed help and I knew I was ignorant and and it just came out in an emotional bomb that, uh, you know, I told him uh, last week we hung out a little bit together. I said, man, how many conversations do we have before I stop crying? You know, and he said, I don't know, man. (laughs) So I don't know what he thought of me. (laughs) Maybe he thought as a big crybaby, which is not my reputation, but, uh, uh, that was the beginning of our journey together. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's sweet, man. And, I mean, mm-hmm. Troy, uh, your experience, uh, although super impactful, isn't unique to you, <laughs> right? Like this, the experience of right. uh, uh, proximity breeding empathy is a universal experience and even more so across cultural differences, racial differences, right? And so this this experience you had with adopting your sons, with welcoming um, uh a son across cultural lines into your family through marriage, right? Like, like that, that mm-hmm. stuff does something <laughs> to, to you and all of us, <laughs> right? Uh, Absolutely. You, Absolutely. You, you've, mm-hmm. you've grown in this journey in some way, form or fashion. And I've actually grown in this journey in some way, form or fashion uh, uh, from yeah. this reality, man. And, and that's huge. And in some sense, this is, uh, what the ambassador podcast is about, right? Like we, we understand that Absolutely. this kind of proximity, is what helps yeah. us develop cultural competence, right? It's not about diversity right. for diversity's sake, but when you, whenever you have diversity in a place, like you're, you're actually forced to learn and grow and know and move, right? Like it, you, you can't 
you can't not do those things if you're going to love the other person, right? And so, yeah, absolutely, diverse, 100%. diversity isn't the goal, but diversity is the vehicle mm-hmm. to get us to uh, to start moving towards and embodying unity, uh, which is really mm-hmm. sweet. Uh, yeah, and so Troy, what we talked about with Dahadi on his episode was, uh, this question we were talking about was why I stay. And yeah. the reason why we chose that, <laughs> the reason why we chose yeah. that was because, uh, Dahadi has this podcast or this, 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 this YouTube channel called where life exists. And he has this series on that channel called why I stay. And he had ventured mm-hmm. into this conversation with a lot of minority leaders uh, on why they stay in, you know, white evangelical spaces, predominantly white spaces in churches, institutions, Bible colleges, seminaries, this sort of thing. And he had, you know, a a spectrum of different answers, right? But really what it came down to, and, and this is the Heidi's answer himself, if you guys haven't listened to that episode yet, was calling, <laughs> right? It's you know, right, the, the, right. The, the Bible, the gospel, Mm-hmm. And calling yeah. <laughs> essentially Absolutely. is the answer in some way, form, or fashion that you get from from most minorities that that tend to remain in these spaces. And so, Troy, just to get to know you a little bit more, right? You have this story about when you were <laughs> planning or transplanting Cornerstone Church uh, that mm-hmm. you kind of had a little why I stay moment, but it may not yeah. even be you yeah, know it's in, a little in, different, in, little yes. different than the hotties, a little, yeah. a little different than the hotties. <laughs> I haven't heard this, right? But so, so. <laughs> Listen, Your I didn't mom. even realize if I'd known if I'd have known now if I'd have known what, then what I know now is, I'd have been gone. You would have you would have dipped out. <laughs> Yo, come on, man. See, come on. Can we get that on? Wow. We're keeping that in. We got that on record. We're keeping that. We're keeping it's that recorded. one in. It's, it's recorded. Yeah, that, that's but, coming out to y'all. But God doesn't tell you early what you need mm. to know now because I would have made a very bad mistake to be gone. Mm. So mm. in fact, mm. in fact, I'll yeah. tell you the story. Uh, so my parents, uh, mm-hmm. my dad was raised Roman Catholic. My mom was raised Baptist and my dad became a Baptist before he met my mom. That's how he was able mm. to get her to marry him. And he wasn't just a Baptist. Mm. He was a Southern Baptist. And I mm. was a teenager in Iowa being a part of a Baptist church, which was not cool being a part of a Southern Baptist in the Midwest, which even left less cool. And when we started uh, Cornerstone Church of Ames, we wanted to reach the next generation. We wanted to reach young people with the church, and the church wasn't reaching any. And Uh so I wanted to not do it in a rebellious way. I wanted the blessing of the church that I was a part of. And my mom withheld her blessing. She said, uh, I will give my blessing under one condition, and that's that you remain a Southern Baptist church. And I thought, oh, my, I needed the blessing. <laughs> but I thought there would be a way that we could do it but not have to announce that we had done it. So I could keep my promise right. to her because yeah. it's my mother, and if I'd have made it to anybody else, I wouldn't have done it. But I actually said to my mother in that moment, I think that maybe is the dumbest thing you've ever asked me to do. And, and yet I made the promise, I made the promise to get the blessing. And just one other quick story. The first time after we built a facility and we had to become the fastest growing and the largest Southern Baptist church in Iowa, but we didn't carry Baptists in our name. We certainly didn't tell people we were Baptists. They were surprised. Mm -hmm. Uh, They asked me to speak at the conference on how to reach Iowans for Christ. And my topic was, uh, first Corinthians 9, 23, I've become all things, all men that I might be all by all means, save some. And I said, I have two mm. recommendation, recommendations for Iowa Baptists. And number one, I would recommend that we remove Baptist from everything that we do. <laughs> 
And number two, I would recommend that we remove Southern from everything that we do. <laughs> and, and so, so as, as a result of that, uh, uh, I was never asked to speak again. Um, but we did, but we did remain faithful and we did remain part of, uh, the SBC, which Dahadi Lewis said, you know, we call ourselves Great Commission uh, right, right. now, mm-hmm. and we're part of the SIN network. And it was the hand of God, because without that, I would have mm. never become friends of uh, Kevin Izell, who has become a dear friend to me. He's president of North American mm. Mission Board, mm. and Dahadi Lewis. That's how I met Dahadi, because yeah. he was connected, yeah. and we become dear friends as well. So it's just been God's sovereignty and blessing. And, and so I stay mm. because I promised it to my mother-in-law, but now I stay because I get to be in relationship mm. with great guys like Kevin and with Dahadi and many, many others that I've yeah. met in the, yeah. in the, uh, sin network family. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a really sweet story, Troy. That's why I like to talk about that and, and what a fun way to tie <laughs> What a, what a fun way to tie into this. And, and now we get to tell, now we get to tell your mom who has probably never listened to an episode of the ambassador yeah. in her life to listen to this episode. Number one, because just this episode. her son's on here. Number two, because she gets talked about. So, right. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> so Troy, uh, you listened to Jahadi's episode. Uh, after listening to Dahadi and hearing us navigate the questions that we had for him, uh, mm-hmm. I want to know what were some of your initial thoughts on what he said in the episode? Uh, well, and uh, honestly, every time I get together with uh, Dahadi or hear him speak, I learn something mm-hmm. uh, new. And, uh, I don't know it's because I'm beginning to hear better or if he's beginning to be more comfortable in sharing or if I'm just, sometimes we don't learn something till we hear it over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and I just love what he says about, um, reconciliation and justice and having, you know, justice without reconciliation is what we call hell. And, uh, I love, you know, hearing about his background every time he talks about, uh, just, you know, the nature of his family. I love him telling the story of, you know, he told his wife who is white, (laughs) you know, you'd be the kind of woman I would marry if you were black, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and and it's it's like, well, I mean, how many people say that the other way, you know? And, and I I love it that both you guys now have, you know, uh, biracial marriages mm-hmm. and your families, I think, are going to be your children are going to be the best expression of what the gospel movement needs to be in our country moving forward, because you have mm-hmm. to learn to navigate inside a family, which is what the church is, uh, what it means. And and to Hadi, mm-hmm. I love what he says mm-hmm. about, you know, the church is not like a family. It is family. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and he I, I, he says that over and over again. And I just love learning from him, love listening to him, love being challenged by him, uh, love being rebuked by him. He just does yeah. it in a mm-hmm. way that he's not combative. He mm-hmm. really is mm-hmm. uh, seeking for reconciliation and restoration. So I love that about him. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I I 100% agree. You know, if mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite books by the Heidi, he's an author as well, by the way, and we kind of talked about mm-hmm. this book, uh, Advocates, on his episode. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that he talks about a lot in that book is this concept of running to the tension. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know? man, I'm glad you brought mm-hmm. that up. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you he brought talks that about, up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this, this idea of running to the tension, which is a mm-hmm. necessary prerequisite to pursuing reconciliation, <laughs> right? Yeah. You can't. You can't, you can't be reconciled. You can't pursue reconciliation and keep a distance away from the issues and the mess and the tensions that are going on. You actually have to run Mm -hmm. in, (laughs) you have to go in and and almost sort of with the reckless abandon, you can't, you can't tiptoe around reconciliation, right? Like, like that's, 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 that's antithetical to the very concept of being reconciled and reunited and it's the like through the yeah. picture of the gospel through reconciliation like god didn't tiptoe with us he literally jumped yeah. out of his seat to come here and and be with us to be among us to be spat on and and, and accused by us and also be murdered by us right to raise for us for the sake of of of, of reconciliation and that's the kind of reconciliation that yeah, really yeah. reconciliation that was modeled for us so that we can model uh, for one another. So yeah, and one of one mm-hmm. of the things that Dahadi and I have talked about, and I love that book. If you haven't read that book, I recommend that book, and I love that part of that mm-hmm. book. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But the way that you run into the tension is also important. Yeah. And yeah. and so Dahadi Lewis is not looking for a fight or looking for a conflict. He's not avoiding yeah. the tension. Yeah. But he is mm-hmm. looking for a conversation. And in the midst of that conversation, he's looking for bringing, uh, not not mm-hmm. not creating a binary where people are actually blitzed to the edges. He's actually mm-hmm. pre- creating an environment where people can have a conversation so that they can come together as brothers. Yeah. And yeah. so, so yeah. the real so he he talks about so many tensions that are there that most of us just want, don't want to talk about. We don't want to have a conversation. Yeah. And so the tension is saying no. I want to have the conversation not to prove that I'm right or mm-hmm. to prove that you're wrong, but I mm-hmm. actually want to mm-hmm. have the conversation so that we can begin to discuss the issues that we need to be talking about as brothers. And so That's right. man, yeah. I love I love not only that idea of running to the tension, but also the posture because yeah. it, uh, his posture is for reconciliation, for yeah. restoration, yeah. for conversation, yeah. not for yeah. not for you know, and I'm a fighter. And so yeah. I, I'm mm-hmm. not afraid of the tension. In fact, I create it, but I often go in to win, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and that's, that's not the posture that Jesus gave us. You that's know, right. he, that's right. He wanted yeah, us so to, good. he engaged his combatants without fighting, <laughs> you know, it yeah. was, yeah. it was, yeah. yeah. So that's super good. Yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, when you when you go in with the fighting mentality, what you get is vengeance, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like your right, and, right, and, and that also that also leads to what he's talking about with the whole you know justice without reconciliation is hell concept, mm-hmm. right? Because you can you can go in and get the outcome you want, you can go in and come out on top, right? right? But right. Yeah. but but that's not the point. The point is reconciliation, right? Mm-hmm. And even though uh, even though justice is in the equation is it, it it remains in the equation for reconciliation but it's got to be in the right place <laughs> right mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. the the equation i like to draw up this 
for reconciliation is the idea of truth plus justice plus forgiveness equals reconciliation, right? Huh. He huh. says, Dahadi says, you can have justice without reconciliation, but you cannot have true reconciliation without justice, right? So it's, right. So it's there right. and it's part of the equation, but it has to be rightfully placed. There's a truth element, mm-hmm. a justice element, and a forgiveness element that leads us to this concept and idea of reconciliation. I think all three of those pieces have to be in place in order to give us what we actually want as we're running to the tension. Hmm. Yeah. And I think even in the case of what we've been talking about, it's like, it's the gospel is so countercultural because even what we see in light of like 2020 is the ways that people interact when it comes to races, I'm going to tear you down. I'm going to prove that I'm right. And then move on and counsel culture. You or exactly what you guys have been saying. It's like, no, we have to have a heart posture towards racial reconciliation or a heart posture towards reconciliation before we can move towards what it looks like to interact with people who might even think different from us or come from a different perspective. Right. Right. I totally agree with that. And, and, you know, what Dahadi talks about in the, in also in his book advocates, you know, I mean, that's why he called the, the, the book, what he did, you know, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. It, it, to advocate, you know, and, and in other words, ambassadors, you know, we're representing yeah. God mm-hmm. and, yeah. and mm-hmm. it's, it's <clears throat> what happens, what we do externally is only a reflection of what has gone on internally in us. And God begins mm. the work in us to restore us to him so that we can restore others to him. And, and the ministry of reconciliation is actually bringing people together. But if your heart is at war, yeah. you know, if you're in conflict on the inside, you, you have a hard time bringing peace and uh, restoration to others. So Dahadi and I have talked about that, you know, quite a bit as well. He talks about a healthy heart and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, dealing, learning to deal with our emotions in a way that we're not at war with one another before we even get in a conversation is, is mm-hmm. really helpful. That's so good. Yeah. That's so good. That's cool. Uh, Troy, I want to switch gears just a little bit. Okay. And just highlight something that, uh, something else the Heidi says in this, in this episode. Uh, and this is something that's not unique to the Heidi, but I think is unique to, uh, us <laughs> leaders who really value the multi-ethnic space, um, and are, you know, tension runners by nature and want to see this reconciliation take place. But when Dahadi mentions the divides in our country, he almost always references uh, the Jew Gentile divides in the scriptures. Uh, in the mm, multi-ethnic mm. church, this is a frequent and understood application, right? right Not interpretation, right. but application. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, and I know that in a lot of predominantly white spaces, this is hardly, uh, this is hardly bridged together. Um, uh, and I just want to know, you know, what are your thoughts personally on this? Do you have any former thoughts and have you, have you moved on any of that thinking? Boy, Jared, that's a big question. And you know, the answer to it, I just don't know how to make it real concise, (laughs) (laughs) but but I will give it, I will give it a try. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So, so uh, what I have learned is, is actually when you're in the majority, it's really hard to see, um, or feel more importantly, feel what mm. the, the people in the minority feel. Uh-huh. And so, because the, I, I don't, 
uh, know very many Jews personally. And the ones that I do know, there's not that conflict that exists. Um, mm-hmm. And most of the time I'm preaching and teaching to a whole bunch of Gentiles. And so for us mm-hmm. to have been in a place related to the Jews, it's just something we don't experience but when a minority person comes into a, a majority white space, that becomes a real reality for them mm-hmm. because they feel mm-hmm. that. And like I say, what, what your heart is doing, actually, you can't betray that. People feel that and experience that. And you're not aware mm-hmm. that you're doing it until you get some of those relational realities that helps you be aware of that. And mm-hmm. so there are a couple of things that I would say to answer your question. That is still a big deal today because the division that exists in the church has almost always been some racial, cultural, ethnic division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was mm-hmm. modeled in the first century, but it's still explicit in this century. And it is still happening even today. And so even seeing in the Apostles' journey in Acts, that Acts you know, takes 30 years. We, re- we can read it in a few hours, but it takes 30 years in just watching that transition and watch the tension that comes mm-hmm. in their heart where these— Gospel guys are yep. really messed up when yep. it comes yep. to their understanding of that gap being taken down. And I think That's for good. me, one one last thing about, you know, we all quote Ephesians 3, and we love to quote, mm. to him who's able to do measuring more than we think, dream, or imagine. <laughs> and we don't realize <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that Paul yeah. is actually pondering something that he is seen and experienced, not something that is out in the future. And he's not talking about a quantitative number of stuff. Like we went from 10 churches to 100 churches. He's saying these Jews and Gentiles are functioning together as family in one place called the church. That is unbelievable to me. That is the immeasurably more. That is the thing that was incomprehensible to me. This is the miracle that Mm. I am in awe about. And it's not something that he was forecasting in the future. It's something he was experiencing in his Mm. present. And he yeah. became a gent. He, be, he became a missionary to the Gentiles because he, as a Jew, had had his eyes open to something that was beyond. Mm-hmm. It was unthinkable, yeah. immeasurably unthinkable. more, <laughs> yeah. immeasurably yeah. more. Yeah. You know, yeah. and yeah. and yeah. and when I, I used to think about that in terms of man, if we could get this church to be, you know, this many people or this many churches, this this much, or if we can reach this many people, or, you know, and yeah. and yeah. I always always misused that verse, took it out of context Mm. and applied Mm. it to something else. Mm. And he says, before Mm. that, he Mm -hmm. says, here's what you need to comprehend. You need to comprehend how great the love of God is and how great the love of God is. And if you can actually, if you could contain that, what you couldn't do anymore is you couldn't have brokenness with any people, regardless of what they look like, you know? And that's what he's saying. That's what he's saying is, is his mind is blown by what he's experiencing. And that's what he's experiencing. And so, no, I really love the idea of, of, uh, uh, seeing God do that in a new and fresh way. And I think he's going to do it on the backs of the emerging generation. Um, you know, 20, what do they say? 2042 will be a, uh, a majority, majority minority uh, yeah. country. Yeah. Country. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if, if we don't get this right and if the church doesn't lead this path, um, then, then we'll be in a negative place. And yeah. obviously yeah. it's going to start uh, primarily in the cities because already we have cities in this country that are majority minority. And yeah. uh, we're going to have to learn to, to yeah. be a country of 
you know, all peoples. And, and, you know, I'm excited to be a part of that. I'm excited to have my family be a part of that and look forward to Mm. what my grandchildren will get to inherit that I'll get, get to pray for. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good, Troy. Man, I feel like I just want that clip on repeat. Yeah. Gosh, that was we'll, so good. We'll share that one. We'll share that one a little bit later. Yeah, that should, yeah, that should be it for sure. But I think, Troy, that even like sets us up for the question that I, I would just love to hear like your thoughts on. But what we kind of already talked about is like we asked Ahadi like why he stays in predominantly white spaces. Right. And so for you listening and hearing his response to that, how does that impact or how does that change the way that you think about like recruiting and retaining minority leaders that are coming up, even as we talk about, you know, 2042 and what that would look like for the yeah, church. And, and we're at a strategic disadvantage being in Iowa, which is, uh, mm-hmm. and you guys know, I mean, it, it's, it's, we maybe are in one of the whitest places on earth, but we're also mm-hmm. at a strategic advantage in that um, we believe that God has unique not uniquely, but specifically called us to reach the emerging generation on university mm. campuses. And a lot of those mm-hmm. campuses uh, is a leading place where there's diversity. Um, and uh, not just in, in diversity of black and white, but really of all peoples mm-hmm. coming together in uh, mm-hmm. uh, all nations coming together. And not just international ministry, but literally, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, second generation Americans who are from different nations. And so yeah. and in the cities, a lot of the universities that we'd like to target are in cities. And as you know, Tracy, we love it that you're going to uh, be going with your husband to start a salt company at one of the, mm-hmm. one of the places that is a typical place. Um, mm-hmm. Georgia state university, Dahadi talks yeah. about it all the yeah. time. It's majority minority, majority yeah. black actually. And, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. learning to minister in those contexts, we're going to grow and learn. But it is going to be wow. it is going to be the eighteen to twenty two year olds that actually blaze yeah. this trail for us, and uh, not yeah. angry, um, but mm-hmm. but um, actually converted to a beautiful vision yeah. that they want to see change, and and so um, you know God's yeah. God's movements have almost always took place, and so I want to I want to advocate. You know, I want more friends like Dahadi. I'm begging him to stay. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he could have said one of the reasons he's staying is because a lot of us are begging him to stay. Because if, <laughs> if we don't, it, 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 if I don't have someone like Jared that I love and care about mm-hmm. um, staying mm-hmm. close enough to me to keep speaking into my life and soul, I, I, I become, mm-hmm. I, I love to think I'm in tune to Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit usually speaks to me through people, mm-hmm. you know. And it usually speaks mm-hmm. to me through their insight, usually speaks uh-huh. to them through mm-hmm. their experience. And the, the, mm-hmm. the more relationships I have with people of color, um, the more relationships I have with people that are more uh, socially uh, diverse than I am, the more relationships that I have, the more God can speak more clearly to me what mm-hmm. I need to hear. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to work hard um, to, to push mm-hmm. into Spaces where we haven't been very good, um, but we have the right people being the emerging generation, 18 to 22-year-olds. We have a bunch of them that we're going to tell them the same thing um, and call mm-hmm. them to to a beautiful vision to press into these spaces. So, yeah. Man. Yeah. Gosh, a little learning from you, Troy. That's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so last last question, Troy, and uh, you, you kind of touched on this just a little bit in that last answer. Um, but, you know, 
there has been a, you know, we talked about this with the Heidi as well, a kind of black exodus, right, of, of mm-hmm. young, uh, up-and-coming black leaders, even black congregants, right, leaving uh, both predominantly white and multi-ethnic spaces <laughs> that's, that's led by predominantly white leadership, right, because of some of the things that are going unaddressed, because of some of the things that are being uh, uh, a lack of care for in those, in those spaces. Um, and, you know, we, we don't live in a vacuum and our, our, our network is not unaffected by these types of things. And so I want to ask this question to you, Troy, if you could appeal to minority leaders like myself and Tracy and Dahadi and many others that, you know, and a handful of, of other men and women that we've had here on this podcast to to stay right like you said like you guys like s- some people are begging the Heidi to stay in this in this space right like if 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 you could appeal what would you say to them yeah I, I loved what the said no I actually didn't love it at all I didn't like it he said but people are leaving but they're not going to something they're just uh-huh. leaving mm-hmm. from something yeah yeah and mm-hmm. And I would just, uh, I would ask the question, and Jared, what I've discovered is that Jesus rarely calls me to do the thing that I want to do, almost always Mm -hmm. calls me to do the thing that I don't, Mm -hmm. because I can't get away from me, and I'm a very selfish person. And Mm -hmm. I, I think that we need to live not for ourselves, but we need to live for the future generations. You know, and I, you know, I toured the the civil rights museum and you know, there were men and women who laid down their lives to live for the future generation. And I would say, you know, it mm-hmm. might never be what you want it to be for you, yeah. but think about mm-hmm. the generations that will come after you yeah. and think about mm-hmm. the stories that will be told about you and, and who are the heroes? The heroes are the ones who engaged in the heat of the battle and they did it in a godly way and God's blessing mm-hmm. followed them through it that they were able to implement lasting change. The the church actually transitioned in Acts all the way. You know, the best guys didn't leave Jerusalem, but all the guys mm-hmm. who left, the emerging guys that left, left with the gospel heart mm-hmm. and saw the gospel grow. And yeah. by by the end of the book of Acts, you see that the, the church was full of Gentiles in Rome and predominantly Gentiles. Yeah. But it yeah. was all rooted in the same gospel and the same church and one Lord, one baptism, one faith. And so mm-hmm. I think we're at a critical time in our country. Mm-hmm. And and I, I, I do think that um, I would challenge um, men like yourself, women like Tracy, um, to live not for yourselves, but to live for the future, mm-hmm. to live for your families, to live for your kids. Um, Jared, your kids will never have a choice to be white or black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yep. um, they will have to be the new, whatever that is. And yeah. Yeah. these children that are born into these spaces hopefully will be the champions of the future. And I want to lay down my life for them yeah. and want to yeah. call them. Uh, to do better than I did, to use the resources that God has entrusted to us, to to not to not accuse us of things we were ignorant of, but actually to use us to make things better. And yeah. and so, yeah, I guess that would be my appeal. Yeah, yeah, that's good, Troy. Mm-hmm. I um, I appreciate this man, and uh, 
Mm-hmm. It's been great to have you on the podcast, and I and I knew it would be. Uh, you have Amen. encouraged, you have taught, uh, you preached on this thing mm-hmm. too, right? We got <laughs> yeah. that little Come segment. On. Come on Come now, on. <laughs> uh, but but really, really appreciate you, man. It feels like our time. We always say this. It literally comes and goes, right? It just it just flies when you're on this thing so fast. But so thank you, Troy. Uh, you have been a great friend and a treasure to Tracy and I. And we appreciate you and thank you mm-hmm. for this. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a joy to be on the podcast. I appreciate you guys. Yep, cool. So look, thank you guys for tuning in to the Ambassador Podcast. Tracy and Troy, y'all have been great. Uh, We hope for you listeners that this has been a helpful resource, and we encourage you to visit our website at www.weareambassador.com where we'll be uploading a consistent stream of resources for you to dive into. We mentioned at the beginning, if you want to be a part of this, you can send in questions to us. And here's how. Number one, listen to the latest interview. Number two, go to our website at, again, www.weareambassador.com. And number three, click on that Contact Us tab and write us a question there. And if you don't have a question, just drop in and, and, and say what's up. Drop us a line and tell us how you, uh, how you felt about the episode. So thank you guys again for listening. We'll be back soon. Thank you for listening to the Ambassador Podcast. If you would like to hear more episodes or get more information about the Ambassador, please check out our website at www.weareambassador.com.